Welcome, Player Two, to the land of Pod. I'm Kitty M, the All Geek, and I'll be showing you around this place. This week, a love ship, just in time for Valentine's Day. And we'll talk about why Peter is wrong about Warhammer and Warhammer 40k on like a number of levels. I can't even begin to... You know what? Save it for the trip, Kitty M. Save it for the trip. Plus, guess which horror writer from your childhood is joining the Marvel Universe. You know what, Player Two? I know you always get lost on the way to the tavern, so um, why not just wait at the bus stop? I hear there's one where it looks like the magic school bus. It's actually just Kate McKinnon pretending to be Ms. Frizzle. <laughs> yeah, the bus is over there. You, you go get it. I'll walk. It's cool. Player Two, you made it. I knew we could trust Kate McKinnon. She's a very good bus driver. So much has been happening though while you've been away. I grabbed our quests from the notice board and some news. Like, Andrew Stanton, you know, one of the guys who made Finding Dory, is going to be the director on Stranger Things 2. At least for two of the episodes, episodes 5 and 6. And we'll be able to see what they're like on Halloween. Because, you know, you watch Superbot, right? Yeah, me either. But I do like the commercials, and the trailer for Stranger Things 2 came out on the Super Bowl. And Halloween, that's not that far away. Speaking of Halloween, John Carpenter has made announcements about the Halloween movie. You know, John Carpenter, he is one of my favourite guys when it comes to schlock horror. And that Halloween movie, which he's not really directing, but he's consulting on, and might even do the music for, according to his Facebook post, is coming out October 19, 2018. So that's only two more years to go, and there'll be Halloween in between those times, so it won't be so bad. Speaking of scary guys from my childhood though, R.L. Stein from Fear Street and Goosebumps books is going to come back. But this time he's writing Man-Thing, number one. Man-Thing is part of the Marvel Universe. He used to be a biochemist called Ted Salas and was trying to kind of recreate Captain America. But some stuff happened and he became a swamp monster instead. And R.L. Stein is going to be writing him. I remember R.L. Stein books. My first Goosebumps book was number 13, Piano Lessons from Hell. The front cover with just these disembodied hands playing on a piano. My mum thought it would be a really good idea to get it for me. The same week I started piano lessons. I can't help thinking I know where he got the inspiration Don't worry, these are totally still my hands. I mean, that one's not. I don't know where that one came from. Speaking of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I, I know Player 2. I wasn't talking about it, but I thought this would be a good way to transition into talking about Avengers Infinity Wars, which is what I want to talk about right now. See, all of these little snippets of information have trickled their way onto the internet. And Speaking of trickling, can you hear that? It's like water. Like, I like Grimley's as a tavern, but... Sometimes I don't think it's as structurally sound as we think it is. Anyway, Avengers Infinity Wars is shaping up to look really, really cool. If you like Guardians of the Galaxy and Spider-Man and Galactic Chaos Beasts, which is how I like to see Thanos, even though I know he's totally not from Warhammer or Warhammer, even though I know he's not from Warhammer 40k 
or is he? Probably not, but he might be. I gotta say though, I was really hoping the Marvel Cinematic Universe would take on the whole mutants versus the Avengers thing. But it looks like that's not where they're going with it right now. Though suddenly Doctor Strange makes a lot more sense as a movie choice for the Avengers universe. And it lends credence to my assertion that superhero movies kinda dead. Sci-fi movies are where it's at. And magic. Everyone loves magic. Play two. Wanna see me go get really angry like the Hulk but like I remain the same size and I'm not green? Too late, that's where we're going. So I think this roof is flooding. Oh, player two, it's so hot in here. No, please, keep on all of your clothes. It's not that kind of roleplay. I never will be. At least not with you. No, I'm not fanning all of Australia's heat over to you. We are friends and I would not do that to you. You know, maybe now is not the time to bring it up, but... I say friends, but I really feel like I'm the one carrying this friendship a lot of the way. You know, I, I take us to these weird and wonderful lands and you just, you don't say much. And so sometimes it feels like I'm just talking to myself, you know, but it's hot because we're in a lava field. And we're in a lava field because of miniatures. Games Workshop miniatures. And a ray draft just wasn't going to be big enough. Let me explain, player two. Games Workshop miniatures, possibly the most famous of these being Warhammer and Warhammer 40k, recently came under fire by Peter, who wrote a blog post that was basically like, Hey Warhammer, Warhammer 40k, animals are great, blah blah blah, be better. I paraphrased. Actually, what they said was that they wanted Warhammer and Warhammer 40k to get rid of the fur trim on their miniatures. Now, before I delve into this, I need to tell you something, player too. I'm kind of a vegan. By kind of, I mean sometimes I still have honey, but for the rest of the time, vegan. In the geek community, that can sometimes be really hard. I mean, we have a great community, but we do also have the bacon contingent, which makes being vegan difficult. For the most part, I get to have some really cool discussions with people. Like, yeah man, I made it look like leather by doing this. Or, I know a really good, cruelty-free face wash that doesn't tear my skin apart while taking off my Joker makeup, which is also cruelty-free and vegan. Those are the discussions I want to have. And then if people are interested in why I do what I do, they can ask me. Those are the discussions I want to have, you know, because it might lead to someone deciding to make some changes, which I'd really love. I'd like for everyone to make changes. But when Peter does stuff like this, my discussions turn from, yeah, I get my protein from legumes and beans, and actually the garlic bread at this convention is vegan, so I can eat that to, yeah, no, I, I totally, I play Pokemon. I know, I know Peter wrote that article about it. I, firstly, video games aren't real, sadly. And secondly, Pokemon does talk about the sentience of the Pokemon and the difference between ownership and working together with animals, which I think is really beautiful. 
Yeah, yeah, I do. I do kill a lot of wolves in World of Warcraft. No, I don't think orcs are vegetarians. Those are the discussions I end up having. Thanks, Peter. Not about how my life really hasn't changed that much, but about stupid questions that people will ask that Peter puts up as a roadblock for me actually talking about being a vegan or a vegetarian. Thanks, Peter. It's not even what I'm angry about. I'm angry because they mixed up Warhammer and Warhammer 40k like it's the same thing and it's totally not the same thing. Let me explain, Player 2, because I'm not sure if you're a warmonger or not. Warhammer is a medieval world. It has wood elves and dark elves and dryads and beastmen and stupid humans. Warhammer 40k is like a sci-fi realm. It's in the future. There are jet bikes and dark eldar, which are kind of like dark elves, and harlequin, which are kind of like wood elves, and the tau and orcs and stupid boring humans. They're not really the same place. I mean, there is the theory that Warhammer, the world of Warhammer, is one of the planets within Warhammer 40k, which is a beautiful theory, and I wish we could talk more about that. But the point is, Peter mixed it up in their article. They reference Warhammer in the headline, but then in the body of the article are clearly talking about Warhammer 40k. It's different places. Also, they don't even mention the Tau. Like, if you're going to talk about Warhammer 40k, talk about the Tau and the fact that they're vegetarian. Yeah, I said it, fight me. Don't, don't fight me, I bruise easily and insults really do hurt. So, the Tau are these blue guys who are taking over the universe, using the motto, for the greater good. And they're vegetarian. How do I know? Well, because I read the Xenology Codex, that's how I know. I know a lot of people no longer reference Xenology as an actual official codex within the Warhammer 40k universe, but I can't help it if someone wants to be wrong. Also, there are numerous stories about the Tau and what they eat. So they have uh, five different castes, the water caste, the fire caste, the air caste, the earth caste, and the ethereals. And one day I'll explain what all those guys do. But basically the water caste are the communicators, and there is the theory that they are definitely vegetarian, whereas the fire caste, well, they, they eat meat, probably. But even within the Tau Codex, it states that they have a distaste for what the crude do. The crude are kind of, kind of ratty type characters who make up part of the Tau army. But the crude will eat meat quite openly in front of the Tau which lends credence to the theory that even the firecast might be vegetarian, or at least not feel that comfortable eating meat. Who knows? The thing is, Peter could have drawn on this rather than going the way they did. And Warhammer, uh, well, Games Workshop, had an amazing response to it, so if you can go and find that, I really recommend it. I'll link it in the show notes below. You hear that player too? It's a dragon. We um, we better get out of here. I, I don't know how safe it is. Where should we go? Your ideas aren't very good, so I'm gonna go ahead and roll the die and see what they have to say. Ooh, we're going there. 
I know you're excited. Hey, player two. Isn't this cool? We're on a boat. Well, actually, we're on a ship. Yeah, I, I know anything by comparison to a lava field is more likely to be cool. That's not... I meant that... Sometimes I like it better when you don't speak. We're on a ship, though. A love ship. No, not a love boat. There were some copyright issues. So we're on this love ship to talk about love in geekery. Because, I mean, Valentine's Day is coming up and love is a beautiful thing and SEO searches and getting on top of those Twitter hashtags is really important to me. And I actually think this is a really good opportunity to talk about love in geekery. Because it is throughout geekery and sometimes it's done really well and other times, other times not so much. A really good example of what I consider good love story and eh, love story actually can be summed up in my latest comic book purchase. These are not new titles, but they're fairly new, a few weeks, maybe a, a month or two old. I picked up Empowered from Dark Horse Comics and Black Panther World of Wakanda from Marvel. These are two very different stories. Empowered is about a super lady who wears a flimsy super suit that falls apart all the time and she doesn't feel very empowered, but irony upon irony, her superhero name is Empowered. The most recent arc is the Soldier of Love, which is a bad guy, in this case actually a bad girl, going round making people fall in love. Superheroes to be specific, and while it's causing its fair amount of heartbreak, it's also mainly causing people to just make out a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. And something like this should really speak to me. The artwork is manga-esque, it's very colourful, and a whole lot of my favourite superheroes, or superheroes that look like my favourite superheroes, making out? That sounds like my kind of thing, because I am a massive Fujoshi. As is Empowered. And yet, I don't know, it just feels like an excuse to see a whole lot of female superheroes kissing. And, by the way, here's some boy ones so no one gets mad. It doesn't really speak to me as an actual comic book about what it says it's about. But it might really work from, but it might really work for you. So it's from Dark Horse, uh, the writer is Adam Warren and the artist is Carla Diaz. It looks beautiful and, I don't know, maybe the next issue, I'll really fall in love with it if I get the next issue. One that I'll definitely be getting the second issue of is the Black Panther World of Wakanda. I've talked about Black Panther and how I really want to get into it, but I wasn't sure where a good entry point would be. This might be it. This isn't really about Black Panther as much as it's about the world of Wakanda and the characters around Black Panther. So I felt like I could read it without ruining myself for any Black Panther storylines that were going to be coming up later on. Now, I might have because of what's in this, but totally worth it. It follows the Dora Mulaje, which I hope I've said properly, but they do have the phonetic spelling in the comic book for you so that you can work out how to say it. That's really cool. 
The Dora Mulaje, though, are the adored ones, the personal bodyguard of Black Panther himself, and they're all ladies. And it takes you through their training camp and the stories of some within that bodyguard contingent. It also takes you through the story of a really interesting young lady who's not from Wakanda but a neighbouring country and oh, look, I don't want to give anything away but this is how you do a love story. This world of Wakanda is how you show two people really digging on each other, really feeling something about one another without messing it up. So if I had to tell you which one to choose between Empowered and Black Panther World of Wakanda, it's going to be Black Panther the whole way. Tahanisi Coates, uh, who is writing Black Panther, consulted on this, but Roxane Gay is the one who wrote it. So please, go and pick this up. It's a very, very good first issue, and for me, a great way to be introduced to the Black Panther world. Uh, the artist, by the way, is Aletha E. Martinez, and the art in this, yeah, it's pretty good. But if you like manga and people just macking out, Empowered is for you. Which brings me to the other issue of love within geekery, and that's the shipping. And I'm a big fan of shipping in all different ways. Mercy and Genji have been shipped quite a bit in Overwatch. And apparently one of the voice actors is like, yeah, no, I totally see that. I support this ship. Which to me means this ship has sailed. It can now be canon. Let's just accept that. But I like shipping. I just think sometimes we get it wrong. Like with Captain America and Bucky. Those two aren't in a relationship. They might have been at one point, but they're not. They're just friends, and dudes can be friends and be in love with other dudes, right? And as far as Captain America is concerned, he is not with Bucky. We just need to stop shipping them, because I think it's making Iron Man jealous, because Iron Man and Captain America are obviously the better couple for one another. I mean, as far as strength goes, Iron Man, Captain America, tee off against each other pretty well. They have that kind of sexual tension and chemistry that you've seen in the movies. And if those two guys don't get together, then how do we have Spider-Man, who is obviously their child? Wait, did I lose you? Give the concept of love doesn't confuse and infuriate you, player two. I hope you're going to have a good Valentine's Day. If not with the one or ones that you love, then by yourself. There are loads of good love stories in comics and animation, all geeky worlds. My pick for animation is My Love Story, which is an anime, also a manga, about a different kind of anime lead, being in love. One of my favourite depictions of love in comics, and I know there's some controversy around Rat Queens, but the love stories in that are really, really beautiful, no matter who you are. So if you want, check those out. Also a really cool webcomic, if you don't want to spend any money, is called Yumi Cells. That's Y-U-M-I. And cells, as in cells in your body. And so she has all these brain cells that 
decide how she's going to react to certain things. So she has a shower cell that wants to spend all her money on face masks. And then she has the cheapskate cell who's constantly telling them to save more money. Her hunger cell is huge because she loves to eat. And her power cell is her actual love cell. So her love for someone can override all her other emotions. It's a really, really beautiful webcomic that's happening right now. And it's all about love and living life and getting the most out of things. So I really recommend Yumi Cells. It constantly has me on the roller coaster of emotion. What about you, player two? What do you love? I mean, other than me. But what do you love? Ooh, a shark. Let's chase it. Player two. Isn't it wonderful to be back on... This place isn't dry land. This tavern's flooded. Yeah. Turns out you can't throw an orc through a roof and then expect it to not have consequences the next time it rains. Oops. Time for you to head back to the real world, player two. While you're there, you should pick up that Super Suns issue I told you about. The first time we came to the land of Pod just you and me. It should be out February 15, so buy it for yourself as your own version of a Valentine's Day gift. And, and maybe while you're there, you can like the Land of Pod Facebook page. It gives you updates as to when each journey is happening and the portals are opening. There's also a Land of Pod Twitter, at the Land of Pod. And if you find us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever, Maybe rate us highly. Maybe tell some friends. They can come along too. Or not. I don't care. Not really. You better go, player two. Real world's waiting for you. I'm going to stick around here. Help the guys mop up. Maybe see this as my chance to get closer to that orc bartender. Until then, player two.